Simenon's Maigret, a series of plays based on the novels of Georges Simenon. Which girl? The maid. I'll kill her. Why? She burned them. What? My notes on the Parandon case, the ones I took down last week when you told me about it. <laughs> How on earth did that happen? As you know, I am a very exact man. My desk is always neat and tidy, my filing system impeccable. On this occasion, I had stapled the notes together and placed them carefully on the right of my desk, adjacent to the phone. I was disturbed by a knock on my study door. I rose... Irritably? rather hastily, mm. and it appears that my jacket brushed the notes from my desk. Onto the floor? No, into my waste paper basket. Oh, so now you want me to tell you about the Parandon case all over again. All right, I'll refresh your memory. Maurice Denham as Jules Maigret and Michael Goff as Georges Simonon in Maigret Hesitates. Translated by Lynn Moyer and adapted for radio by Edward Bruce. Well, first I got this anonymous letter. It was printed in block capitals on a thick vellum paper. Someone appeared to have cut off an engraved letterhead. Dear Chief Inspector Maigret, this letter will astonish you. Do not throw it in the waste paper basket too quickly. It is not a joke or the work of a maniac. A murder will be committed shortly, certainly within a few days. Perhaps by someone known to me, perhaps by me myself. It is, I believe, inevitable, but when it happens, I would like you to know. If you take me seriously, please put the following advertisement in the personal column of Le Figaro or Le Monde. K.R., I am waiting for your second letter. I do not know for certain if I shall write it. I am very worried. Certain decisions are hard to make. Yours faithfully, no signature. I don't think it's the work of a crank. Why not, Luca? An illogical reason. There's a genuine sense of distress about it. Mm. And a paper. Uh, let me see the watermark. Morvan mm. Vellum. Well, most letters like this are written on cheap paper, often misspelled deliberately, not this one. The words seem to have been carefully chosen. Yes, I think you're right, Lucar. Have the advertisement put in both papers. And La Pointe. Uh, Chief? Uh, try and find out the manufacturer of this paper. It might lead us somewhere. It was too easy, Chief. Manufacturer Geron Son. Distribution through two stationers only. It's a very expensive paper. I tried the station on the Avenue de l'Opera and struck oil the first time. They haven't ordered fresh supplies for nearly five years, as they only had three customers. One died, one was attached to an embassy but was recalled, and the other... Well? Monsieur Emile Parandon, a lawyer in the Avenue Marigny. Mm. He's been using this paper for more than 15 years and won't have any other. His last order was made in, um, in October. Headed paper? Yes. So you see, Chief, the anonymous letter could only have come from Monsieur Parandon's residence. Yeah, I just reached that conclusion myself, Lebond. I think I should call on Monsieur Parandon. 
So I phoned for an appointment. But first, you checked with Maître Bouvier, who told you that Palandon specialised in maritime law and that he was practically unbeatable in this field. Mm. I was surprised when you told me that he turned out to be an insignificant little man, almost gnome-like. Oh, why surprised? An eminent lawyer, consulted by big business interests from all over the world, thousands at stake. I'd imagined a forceful, dominating man. Mm. Well, the flat in the Avenue Marigny was magnificent. Divided into business offices, private and servants' quarters. There was even a self-contained flat lid for René Tortue, Parandon's personal assistant. I was shown in by Ferdinand, the butler, along a corridor with windows overlooking the avenue, through a little office occupied by his secretary, and finally into the most palatial library I've ever seen in a private residence. Parandon was waiting for me. He bounded out of his chair like a jack-in-the-box to greet me. Chief Inspector, I can't tell you how delighted I am to meet you. I've admired your work tremendously for years. And when you rang this afternoon, <laughs> so unexpectedly, would you care to sit down? No, uh, okay. What can I offer you? The cognac isn't particularly good, but I have a 40-year-old almanac. Oh, just a little, please. My wife only lets me have a drop on special occasions. She says I have a weak liver. Hmm? According to her, I'm weak all over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're good health. Sante. Hmm. Mm. May I ask you a personal question? Mm. How old were you before you began to understand men? I mean to understand the men we call criminals. Uh, well, I... I don't know. I, I'm not sure that I do understand them. Of course but, you but do. Sure, Your to... success is the success mm. of a man of wisdom, of depth. I have something That's to... That's why I'm so happy to meet you. I've read so much about your work. My cases are as dry as dust. No human contact to speak of, facts and figures, statements of law, but I have a hobby, one I'm sure you'd be interested in. Article 64 of the Penal Code, which you must know better than I do. Mm. There is no crime or misdemeanour if the accused was in a state of dementia at the time of the act or if he was driven to it by an irresistible impulse. What do you think of it? Mm, well, I'm glad I'm not a judge. Uh, that's what I like to hear. That's the kind of thing I want to know. Sitting in your office in front of a guilty man or a man presumed to be guilty, are you capable of determining how far he is responsible? Oh, rarely. The psychiatrist... Would you believe me when I tell you that there are thousands of us trying to change this relic of the past? It's so easy for the judges to say responsible about an accused man and pass on to the next case. The objection from the authorities is that if it were changed, the doctors and not the judges would have the task of judging. Why not? Why not the doctors? Judges haven't the time or experience for this kind of delicate decision. I, I could talk to you about it for hours. It's more than a hobby with me. It's, it's almost a mania. Oh, you must forgive me. I've been so thrilled at this chance to talk to you. I've been discourteous enough not to ask you why you wanted to see me. <laughs> not at all. Uh, something I wanted to show you. I received this letter this morning. I wouldn't say for certain it came from this house, but it seems likely. Do you use this kind of paper? Good heavens. It does look like the paper I use. Uh, anonymous, sir. Eh? Mm. A murder will know to me, perhaps by me myself. Well, inevitable. <laughs> Strange. A joke? Well, I don't know. Ah, come in, my dear. Let me introduce you to Chief Inspector Maigret. How do you do, monsieur? How do you do? I hope you haven't come to arrest my husband with his bad health. Uh, I... No, madame. Uh, 
I expect it's about one of our domestics. No, that'd be a matter for the local police. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, well, I'll leave you gentlemen to your own affairs. I only came to tell you a meal that I won't be back before eight. You can always join me at Hortense's. Goodbye, Monsieur Maigret. You're an extremely interesting man. <clears throat> Did you get it? Mm. She's put out. She banged the door. An extremely interesting man. She's furious because you didn't tell her why you're here. And more furious because you didn't comment on her dress or how young she looks. She'd have loved you to have taken her for my daughter. Oh, have you a daughter? No, but I have a son, Jacques, nearly 16. But I'm wasting your time. We should get back to the writing paper now. Uh, here's a sheet of mine. I'm almost certain it is the same. Your experts will be able to tell you. Mm. Can you think of any reason why someone here should have written this letter? It must be a joke. How many people live in this flat? Well, it's my wife and I, of course. My son, Lise, the maid, René Tortue, Fernand, our butler. Yes, that's all. Well, that was the household. Although, of course, there was his secretary, Mademoiselle Varg, and his housekeeper. But both of them lived out. I left the flat after talking to Parendon. There seemed little more I could do. But the next morning, the first thing I did was to go through my mail. Sure enough, there was the second letter. Same envelope, same writing, same paper with the heading cut off. Uh, listen to this, lad. You made a mistake, Monsieur Maigret, in coming before you received my second letter. That means things being speeded up. From now on, the crime may be committed any time, and that'll be partly your fault. I thought you were more patient, more reflective. Perhaps you're more vain than I thought. <laughs> I cannot help any more. My advice is to continue your investigation in your own way. In spite of everything, I have great admiration for you. <laughs> uh, what do you make of that? Somebody wanted you to go to that house. And then again, they didn't. Great admiration for you? Look, must you make that sound like an insult, Lapointe? Oh, no, no, I mean, uh, Parandon. Mm. Couldn't he have written it? Admired you tremendously. Uh, that's what he said to you yesterday, wasn't it? Uh, I think I'd better get back to the Avenue Marigny. When I arrived, I asked first to be taken to the secretary's office. I'd met Mademoiselle Varg briefly the previous afternoon. She was about 24, not beautiful in the usual sense, but a pleasant face and a friendly manner. I showed her the letters. Monsieur Parlement hasn't seen the second letter yet. What do you think of them? It's a joke, surely, and a rather spiteful one. A clever way to get you to come here and harass us with questions. One of the servants, perhaps? Mm. What about the boy? Is he a practical joker? No. Why should you think of him? Well, it's a feeling more than a fact, but the structure of the sentences, the choice of words, don't you feel they're a little naive? Well, yes, perhaps. But Jacques is a highly intelligent boy and his grammar is excellent. I don't think he could have written either of these letters. You like him? Very much. And he, you? He's nearly 16. Mm. I'd say he has a schoolboy crush on me. He comes into my office as often as he can. Wants to borrow a rubber, a piece of string, some paper. He likes to chat with me. How does he get on with his father? Oh, very well. With the rest of the household? It's difficult for me, Chief Inspector. I don't live in the house. I know he likes René. Oh, René talked to you? Yes. René got me this job. Oh, 
So... Uh, <laughs> you don't have to ask, Chief Inspector, hmm? I shall tell you. We were having an affair at the time, but it didn't work out. Although I'm very fond of him, he's what you might call a gentle failure. He studied law and failed his finals. He'd have made a poor lawyer, but I think he might become a good dramatist. Oh, he writes plays? He's been scribbling for years, practising. I read his last one. Oh, well, I I'm no critic, but I thought it was excellent. Then he burned it, said it was no good, because he'd tried to write about things that, well, that he hadn't experienced himself. Oh, poor René. He does his job well, though. Mm. Now, this time I will ask, since we're talking about such things. Mm? Do you go to bed with Monsieur Parendon? <laughs> oh, dear. I'm laughing not because we don't make love, but... Well, it's more or less on the run, so to speak. What? Well, the word bed isn't exactly appropriate. Mm. It's a question of when and where it's possible. Sometimes the drawing room, sometimes his study. Mostly when we know Madame Parendon is out. Does René talk to know about it? You must guess. A Madame Parendon? Has she ever surprised you with her husband? I'm not sure. We're careful, but... Well, she's inclined to be everywhere when she's at home. One day she came into the study at a rather delicate moment. Fortunately, we had time to look normal. At least I think we did. Don't you like her? I wouldn't have her for a friend. How do you feel about Monsieur Parangon apart from... Oh, um... Our sexual relationship isn't important, Chief Inspector, at least mm. to me. Does that answer your question? Mm. What's this? A rather old-fashioned razor knife. We haven't got a guillotine for paper trimming. This is enough for us. <laughs> enough to cut off a letter heading? Well, yes. Mm. Do you think any of the staff could have composed letters like these? Well, certainly not Lise, the maid, or Madame Volcan, the cook. They're almost illiterate. The butler, Ferdinand, well, yes, he could have, but I doubt it. Mm. So the people who might have written them are... Rennie, of course. Jacques could have, but Madame or Monsieur Parandon. And, of course, Yours, sir? myself. Well, thank you. You've been most helpful. Uh, one further question. Do you still think the letters are a joke? I... I'm inclined not to think so anymore. Then who do you think is the person being threatened? Why don't you answer? Because you know perfectly well what I would say. Emile. Emile, of course. You're very fond of him, aren't you? Yes. You know what I think? I think you should join me for lunch. I'm glad I took her with me. Yes. You've forgotten something, Jules. Hmm? You saw Parandon again for a moment before you left the house. And he told you he had a Browning automatic which he kept just in case. Did I? In case of what? He said burglars. Hmm. And you showed him the second letter. Yes, you're quite right. Well, go on, Jules. Well, after a very pleasant lunch, I telephoned the Quai des Orfaits. New car? Anything new? I've been trying to contact you, yes. A phone call from Madame Parandon. Hmm? She almost demanded that you go and see her. She'll wait here until four o'clock. <laughs> nice of her. She sounded... 
not exactly nervous, but strung up. But more odd was a phone call about ten minutes ago. A strange voice. It could have been a man or a woman, or even a child. Whoever it was simply said, Tell Chief Inspector Maygray to hurry. And hung up. Well, thanks. I'll go and see her now. I'm a little ashamed of having telephoned you, Chief Inspector. Your husband's told you about the letters? Of course. That's why I wanted to speak to you. I didn't write them. I thought you should know that. And I'm somewhat put out that you went to see the little Varg girl before you came to see me. But, more importantly, I'm a very direct woman and I'll come straight to the point. I'm worried about my husband. What do you think of him? I found him very pleasant. A sensitive, intelligent man. I suggest over-sensitive. Sometimes he frightens me, so introspective, so withdrawn. It's his appearance, I suppose. He's almost deformed, isn't he? He was a premature baby, and that would account for it. When I married him, there was a certain amount of pity in my love for him. And lately, I've been wondering... How can I put it delicately? Wondering if he's quite normal. What do you think? Normal? In what sense? You know perfectly well. You seem to be trying not to understand. To understand what? Why, I'm so worried. Those letters reflect my own fears exactly. I've been worried for weeks, months, well, years, in fact. As time's gone on, he's shut himself away more and more, and I've tried very hard to make him happy. But now I'm afraid. Not so much for me, but for him. I don't know what he might do. Are you suggesting that he might take his own life? Who knows? He might do anything. He has an irritating sense of humour, not to say macabre. He might have written those letters himself for some obscure reason. Do you consider your husband a medical case? It's difficult for me to say it, but yes. A mental case? Perhaps. Ah, I'm beginning to understand. You asked me to come here so that you could suggest to me that I have your husband examined by a psychiatrist. In that case, you've either deliberately misunderstood me or I've expressed myself badly. I said nothing at all about a psychiatrist. But the thought showed clearly in everything you've said. Now, forgive me if I seem impertinent, madame, but in my job... You and your husband have separate bedrooms. Does he still have sexual relations with you? Most certainly not. Not for over a year. For any particular reason? <laughs> really, monsieur? I'm sure you found that out by now. I came across him and that girl in his office. It was disgusting. Do you have a gun? Yes, as a matter of fact, I have. Here, it's no more than a toy, I believe, but be careful, it is loaded. Mm, 6.33. Well, almost a toy. It could kill someone fired at point-blank range. I haven't given it a thought. One of Emile's friends with a similar macabre sense of humour gave it to me on my wedding day. <laughs> now, Jacques, I haven't had a chance to speak to him. no. Because he's still at school and he couldn't possibly have anything to do with those letters. I think you should go now, monsieur. This conversation's pointless. I see you place no importance on what I've told you. Forgive me if I don't show you out. 
She almost banged the door in my face as I left her room. I didn't know what to think of her. I walked down the corridor to René Tortue's flatlet. Ah, you must be Chief Inspector Macray. Uh, that's right. Have you a moment? Yes, come in. You want to talk about the letters, I suppose? Yes, I know about them. Monsieur Parendon showed me photostack copies. You studied law, I believe. Until I failed my finals. Still, I know enough to do quite a lot of research for Monsieur Parendon. And you write plays in your spare time? Mademoiselle Varg told you? Yes. How do you feel about her? She's a very pleasant uh, associate. I... Uh... Are you in love with her? That's a private matter, Chief Inspector. Were you once? No crime has been committed. I don't think you have the right to inquire. Mademoiselle Varg is having an affair with Monsieur Parendon. Did you know that? She told you? Did you know? How do you feel about it? It is no longer my concern. No longer? Then you were once in love with her. To think she told you. I suppose she had to. It must be hard for a girl like that to deal with a man like you. Although what it's got to do with those letters... As a man concerned with law, you will appreciate that any detail may prove important. You see, we are taking these letters very seriously. What do you think of Monsieur Parendon? He's a first-class boss. A nice man. And Madame Parendon? Well, she's... She's active, intelligent, um... But you don't like her. Have you any idea who could have written the letters? Well, as a would-be dramatist, I suggest someone who's afraid of what he might do. Someone who is a potential murderer who feels that, that things are getting out of control and who's imploring your help in an illogical way to prevent it. Perhaps someone unbalanced? Mm. Could be... Yeah, it sounds like a good plot. You might be able to use it in a play one day. She told you about us as well. She shouldn't have done that. I must get back to my office. Uh, what's the time, Luca? Time to go home. Mm. Time for a beer en route. Oh. <laughs> uh, another one, Chief. Huh? Express delivery. Same printing, same envelope. La Pointe, I can see it's addressed to me. Do you mind? You open your wife's letters. Well, you're not my wife. I'm sorry, Chief. Yeah. Ah, listen to this. Dear Monsieur Maigret, when I wrote my first letter, I could not have imagined you would charge head first into the case until I'd given you further indispensable information. Your haste has spoiled everything. Today you have provoked the murderer in some way. I may be wrong, but I feel that something will happen in the next few hours. I'm sorry I cannot help you. What do you make of that? Well, it's serious, Chief. No doubt about that. Maybe Chortu was right. Well, then again... Well, shut up for a minute, Lepoint. Uh, Luca, see if you can get Dr. Parendon, Emile's brother, on the phone. He lives in Nice. Numbers in the file somewhere. Right. We should take these letters seriously, Chief. No, we should. That's why I want you to spend the night with the concierge at the Avenue Marigny. What? Oh, but my wife and I, we were... Just to keep an eye on the place, to check on your suppositions. Seriously. Well, yes, but I mean... We live unexpected lives, Lapointe. 
Now, off you go. Lucar will relieve you in the morning. Oh, hell. Dr. Panada on the phone, Chief. Uh, go down and order me a beer, Luca. Uh, Dr. Panada, Chief Inspector Maygray here. Your beer's gone flat. No, it doesn't matter. You look worried. Hmm. I am. What can I do? If nothing happens, I'll be accused of wasting the taxpayers' money. If something happens, I'll be accused of incompetence. And if it does... Oh, I don't want to think about it. What did Dr. Parandon have to say? Uh, well, he was surprised by the letters, of course, but he was interesting about his brother. He said Emile was one of the gentlest creatures alive who would never harm a living soul. But he said, too, as a doctor, that it was possible his brother might commit suicide in a fit of he'd never have married. <laughs> well, I don't know what to think or do, Luca. Oh, let's have another beer. I didn't sleep well that night. I went to the office early. That last note had worried me. Lapointe came back to report after being relieved by Luca. Nothing of interest, normal comings and goings, no strangers. I sent him home to bed. I went on with my routine paperwork, but I couldn't concentrate. I had a premonition. Then... Megre. It's happened. Who? The girl. Dead? Yes. Shot? No. Stabbed. Butchered. Butchered. I'll be right over. <laughs> oh, my God. Who found her, Luca? Monsieur Tortu? I'm sorry. I, I, I thought... This is... This is the first time I've seen... I, I thought I was old enough to... Oh, take your time. She, she arrived at, at the flat this morning at about ten past nine. I spoke to her in the corridor. She said she would be with Monsieur Parandor until about nine-thirty, and, and then she wanted me to come to her office to get some documents for checking. She... she was looking very pretty. Go on. Well, I came in here at about... I don't know, I suppose it was getting on for ten. I looked around. I didn't see her until... until I looked down on the floor behind the desk. Oh, my God. Luca? I've done the routine, Chief. The doctor and the forensic boys should be here any time. <laughs> what are you doing? I was going to close her eyes. Chief, the photographs. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm not thinking properly. I suppose you've got a brandy on you, Luca. There's... There's some in my room. I've never been so shaken by the sight of a corpse as I was this time, even in my early days. 
The murder weapon, of course, was that razor knife. It was covered in blood. There was a dreadful gaping wound in her neck and deep cuts on her arms and shoulders. She'd been wearing a pretty green blouse. It was in shreds. When the others arrived, I went to Tokyu's room to try and pull myself together and think. Enough, monsieur. I've spilled some. Mm, thank you. Does Madame Parandon know about it yet? I think to tell her she'll be asleep still. She often sleeps late. I told Monsieur Parandon he took one quick look into Nicole's room. Nicole? That was her name. I went back into the library. There's a drop left. Oh, you have it. Thanks. I've always... Always been in love with her. Ready. Ready to wait. Yes, I know. The next hour or two was taken up with routine questioning. I got Yuka to drag Lapointe out of bed. All my other inspectors were busy, and I told him to question the neighbours, try and find out if they'd seen or heard anything. Then I went to the library. Monsieur Parandon was huddled in his armchair, his head bedded in his hands. He was so still, I thought something had happened to him. And then he looked up. The letters weren't a joke. No. I suppose you've come to arrest me. Why should I? Because I could have done it. I have no proof that I was here in my library at the time of death. Oh, it's too early to arrest anyone. Have you told your wife what's happened? I didn't think of it. Doesn't she know? I suppose she's still asleep. She often sleeps late. And so I've been told. Were you surprised when you found out who... who the victim was? Yes. Did you think it would be me? You or your wife. And you've no idea yet who did it? And the only thing I'm certain of is that it was somebody well known to Mademoiselle Varg. Why? Well, she was struck when she was sitting at her desk. We can tell that from the position we found her in on the floor. Now, she must have seen the murderer pick up the razor knife from the pen tray as if to borrow it, but she went on working unworried, while the murderer, he or she, walked around behind her. Now, somebody from this household killed her because I've had one of my men constantly with the concierge and no strangers entered the building. And then there's another point. The murderer must have known of the knife or he would have come armed. Oh, forgive my legal brain, Chief Inspector. The murderer could have come armed, then changed his mind and used the razor knife instead. Hmm. It's a possibility I hadn't thought of. She was very attached to me. Oh, more than that, I had imagined. Oh, yes, more than Oh, my that. dear, I didn't hear you come in. No, you were too busy shedding crocodile tears over that insignificant girl, both of you. Monsieur Maigret, I've only just heard of this deplorable incident. I suppose you were about to make an arrest. Jacques will be home from college shortly. It would be better if everything was cleared up by then. I've come to no conclusion. That's most unfortunate. Emile, why didn't you let me know? Oh, because... No, don't tell me. I can imagine. <laughs> was it because you killed her? <laughs> 
wife! My wife! Suggesting oh, stop play acting! Did you or didn't my you kneel? My wife! My wife! You know very well, for God's sake, I could never... I could... Well, Monsieur Maigret, I'm sure you'll draw your own conclusions from that performance. I'm sorry I lost my temper, Monsieur Maigret. It's most unusual for me. Did my uh, performance make it seem as if I were a little unbalanced? Why should you think that? It's often expected from somebody who looks as I do. But, Nicole, no matter. Have you any further questions? None for the moment. I'd prefer you not to talk to your wife until I've had a chance to talk to her. Then you got lucky. It moved things along. Or well, not lucky. More the result of you cars. Hidden under the carpet. Yes. I know it wasn't necessarily proof that the boy had written the letters, but it was enough for me. And when he got back from college... You've heard what happened, Jacques? Yes, the concierge told me as I came in. Are you going to arrest my father? I'm asking the questions, young man, not you. You're fond of your father, aren't you? He's all right. Did you like Mademoiselle Vard? We were friends. Did you ever go out with her? No, of course not. Oh, it wouldn't be surprising if you had a young man like you growing into manhood. What are you trying to make me say? I don't care if you are a police officer. You went officer. often to her office? Yes. To borrow things? Yes. Pens, pencils? Yes. You like to be with her? Yes. And were you surprised to hear that she'd been murdered? Yes. No. I, I mean, I mean, yes. Yes. What do you mean, Jacques? You're getting confused. You expected that something might happen to your father, didn't you? But not Mademoiselle Vard. I don't know what you're getting at. It was you who wrote those letters and phoned the Cadiz of Ave, wasn't it? How, how did you find out? It's not important. You wanted to protect your father, didn't you? I... I... You felt he was in danger? Yes. What kind of danger? I'm not going to answer any more questions. Take me to the Cadiz off ever, if you like. I would, if there was any point in it. It's too late. Mademoiselle Varg is dead. Are you very disappointed in me, Jacques? I don't know... I wrote those letters because I thought you might have... I thought you were a man who would understand everything. Oh, only a little, here and there. I thought you might have... Handled things differently? Yeah. I wish I had. I'd been tough on the boy. I was sorry about that. I wandered down to the kitchen. Madame Vauquin fed me. I was hungry. And she offered me a bottle of Chateau Latour. <laughs> that was the van in there in that house. I needed it. I confess I drank more liquor that day while on duty than I've drunk before or since. I wanted to erase from my mind the sight of that young woman with her throat cut, the blood still warm. You know what I mean, Georges? You read about a murder, a catastrophe in the paper, but removed from a personal involvement. What do you get? A bit of a thrill, an excitement, almost a delight. I'm afraid that's true. Well, this time I wasn't an observer. I was a participant. 
I might have prevented the murder of this girl if I... If I... Jules, my old friend, why do you always have a sense of guilt about everything that happens to you? Oh, well, I'm talking nonsense, because then suddenly, as in so many cases, it was all over. Nothing clever on my part, just the assembling of facts, the arranging of them in proper order. I questioned all the tenants nearby, and I found one with some information. An old man, he was watering his garden quite early, uh, between 9.30 and 9.45. Well, it's been a hot summer. And he happened to glance towards the Parandon house about that time. That's when he saw a woman walk along the corridor. She was wearing a blue housecoat. Uh, where's that map? Ah, yes, she was going towards the offices, here. Uh. Uh, five minutes later, he saw her walking along the corridor, but in the opposite direction. And one other thing he noticed. Both times when he looked up, there was someone else in the corridor, dusting. Well, what do you make of that, Chief? Makes you wonder, eh? Well, the only thing I'm wondering about is what you have for breakfast. Oh, wheat germ, of course, Chief. It's great. Or you should try it. It keeps you right on the ball. Mm, thank you, Lapointe. I am on the ball. Well, you can go home now. Sleep well. The case is solved. Solved? I may not be able to prove it, but I have a pretty good idea of what happened. Ah, oh, Monsieur Maigret, I was expecting you. So at last you're going to arrest my husband. I don't see any reason for arresting him for the moment. Why, Madame Parondon, should your husband have killed his secretary? Must there be a reason for a man like that? One doesn't usually commit murder without reason. Oh, one can imagine one. I don't know. Perhaps she was pregnant. He might have been pleased. What nonsense. She could have been blackmailing him. Again, for what reason? I haven't the slightest idea, girl like that. I've merely suggested it as an example. Quite. Madame Parandor, I must ask you a question, and I advise you to think carefully before you answer. Did you leave your room between 9.30 and 9.45? No, I did not. Look, I warn you. If you lie to me, I shall ask the examining magistrate for a warrant for your arrest. Remember, I have statements from everyone in your household regarding their movements during that time except yours. I said I did not. You didn't set foot in the corridor? No. You didn't go to Mademoiselle Varg's office? I consider this interrogation an insult. And you didn't kill her? You know perfectly well. Right from the start, I told you it was my poor husband. Why should he have killed her? I've told you, I've told you. In his condition, there's no need for a reason. When he was 17, he tried to commit suicide. Ah, you didn't know that, did you? And when Jacques was born, he was afraid he'd grow up an idiot. He's always been haunted by the fear of illness and death. Well, that celebrated Article 64. Isn't that proof? Isn't that proof? But he's afraid. Afraid of himself. Would you ring for your maid, please? Uh, what has Lise... Please? Have you handled your revolver since yesterday? Of course not. Why? Oh, thought I had. You won't mind if I take it. You remember I placed it back in your drawer myself. Therefore, the top fingerprints should be mine, if what you say is true. Yes. You rang, madame? Monsieur Maigret would like a word with you. Lise, you were dusting the corridor this morning between 9.30 and 9.45, is that correct? Yes, I always do it about then. And did you see Madame Parandon going in the direction of the offices? Oh, Madame, what should I say? 
You should tell the truth, please. Well, yes, it's true. Oh, I'm sorry, madame. Well, what does this prove? It confirms another witness's statement and that you have lied. You did leave your room, and that leaves you open to suspicion. I do not have to account for my movements in my own house. Uh, in a case of murder, I'm afraid you have to. Does that mean you're going to arrest me? I'm going to ask you to come to the Cadiz Orfeo with me. Have you a warrant? A blank one. I only have to write in your name. And then? It will depend on the magistrate. More probably, the doctors. Oh, God, no. You think I'm mad? It was my husband. He killed her. Madame, I can't prove anything very much, but I'm sure this revolver was in the pocket of your housecoat when you went along the corridor about 9.30. We can check up to a point, as I've just said. When you came into the library earlier today, I realised how much you hated your husband. And, of course, is what you said about him yesterday to me. I even wonder if you didn't intend to kill your husband and not Mademoiselle Vargue. Supposition, of course. You walked down the corridor intending to kill him, and then you made some kind of substitution in your mind. Would your husband not suffer more if you killed Mademoiselle Vargue instead? and at the same time made him appear guilty of the crime. You went into the office, saw the razor knife. You really think I'm mad, Chief Inspector? You really think I'm mad? If you'd like to pack an oh. night bag, you yeah. may go to the Cater's Orfeo in your own car. Oh. I'll tell your chauffeur. Article 64. If the accused was in a state of dementia at the time of the act, or if he, she was driven to it by an irresistible... Mm, I suppose so. Has she confessed yet? No. Will she? I don't know. Perhaps in time. A week, months, a year. Any more wine left? Ah, oh, yes. Have you ever seen a young woman with her throat cut? Good health, George. In Maigre Hesitates by Georges Simonon, translated by Lynn Moyer, and adapted for radio by Edward Bruce. Maigret was played by Maurice Denham and Simonon by Michael Goff. Luca, Brian Haynes. La Pointe, John Rye. Parandon, Anthony Hall. Madame Parandon, Maddie Head. Mademoiselle Varg, Shirley Dixon. René Tautou, Anthony Vickers. Jacques Parandon, Brian Hewlett. And Lise, Jane Knowles. The play was produced and directed by Betty Davis.